This is Retail Retold, the story of how that store ended up in your neighborhood. I'm your host, Chris Ressa, and I invite you to join my conversation with some of the retail industry's biggest influencers. This podcast is brought to you by DLC Management. Welcome to Retail Retold, everyone. Today, I'm extremely excited. We have an entrepreneur from Lagos, Nigeria, Nikkei Magikadumi. Nikkei is the owner of Nuts About Cakes. She has another retail concept, which she will tell us about. She has survived the pandemic, and she's done it in a different country, as most of our listeners are from the U.S. I'm excited to hear about how things are going in Africa and in Nigeria from a retail perspective. This is going to be a cool show. Welcome, Nikkei. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks, Chris. Nikkei, why don't you tell us a little bit more about who you are, how you ended up in retail and owning Nuts About Cakes and your other concept? Okay, so hi. Um, Yeah, so I I run a company called Nuts About Cakes, like you say. We are a bakery and we um, specialize in cakes, like the name denotes. (laughs) Um, Also a variety of breads and um, pastries. And we also have a training school where we train others how to make cakes and those, you know, hobbyists or those who want to start businesses of their own. Um, I am married. I have three lovely children. And um, I started in the baking industry about 14 years ago. And um, since then, I've loved, you know, every moment of it. It's not easy, (laughs) especially in retail. Um, But yes, but I've loved every moment of it. Thank you for that. You also have another concept. Tell us about that. That only has one location. What is that retail store? Yes. So um, just before the pandemic, I set up another retail brand called Mrs. Majex. And the idea behind Mrs. Majex was to serve a lower income earning market. Um, because you know what we find nowadays is people snack as they commute. Um, you know, people have really busy schedules and they're moving from place to place. And, you know, you want to have sort of salads or sandwiches or, um, you know, pastries, um, you know, tea, coffee, etc. But it serves a lower income market. So the price point is really low. And the idea of that is to have about 200 stores in Lagos alone and then also to move across to the other states in the country. Wow. How big is Nuts About Cakes going to get? Um, Well, Nuts About Cakes currently has seven retail locations. The idea is to open 40 locations um, in Nigeria. And then we're also looking at growing a Pan-African business and going into other countries in Africa. Wow. Kudos to you. This is really interesting. You have seven locations. You have one location, but you think that can get to 200 stores in Lagos alone. Yes. Wow. Right now, how are you financing these? Do you have outside investors? Is this all from cash flow? What are you doing? Um, Well, so when I started, um, I pretty much got a loan and two investors. Um, My mom gave me a loan and um, I have my husband and my father who invested in the business. So the three of us own the business together. Um, so, I mean, it was one of the most humbling things when you're looking for finance, especially when you're going to um, unknowns. I knew I didn't want to go to the banks to start. Um, I wanted to sort of talk to friends and family, um, and I only had two of them 
respond. So I didn't have everything I needed at the beginning. So we just started small with what we had and then we grew over time. Wow. I love those types of stories where you bootstrapped it, you raised your own money, you didn't have to go to a bank and you started to grow it. If you want to go from one to 200, if you think that's the scale, will you have to take on outside investors and will you have to go to some banks and private equity groups in in Nigeria? Yes, absolutely. So now we are, um, we've approached um, a couple of private equity companies. Now we're, you know, we're scaling big time. So it's a totally different ball game. Um, and that's, that's exciting as well. Um, and, you know, I'm happy to have people share in the stake of the business because we're trying to grow something, you know, small to something big. So yeah, I'm happy to bring in other investors. Definitely. I have to. <laughs> There's so many questions I have, but I'm going to start from a big, broad one that is talked about a lot in the U.S. How has the e-commerce and Internet retailing affected retail in Nigeria from your perspective? Yeah, so it's changed incredibly over the years. Um, You know, when I started, I started from humble beginnings. I started from my kitchen and just basically selling to friends and family and then making the deliveries on my own. Um, And then we got into, you know, one store, two stores. There wasn't Instagram when I started. And today, um, you know, we always say in Nuts About Cakes that we run both the Bricks and the Clicks channels. So our Bricks are our actual physical retail stores and our Clicks channels are, you know, social media, um, WhatsApp, um, you know, the telephone sales, e-commerce websites or anything digital. Um, And that has grown significantly. Um, One that is massive for us is telesales. So people are very comfortable with ordering, um, you know, cakes and pastries over the telephone and then doing a transfer for payment. And also on social media, we're very active on on Instagram and on Facebook. And we have a lot of people placing orders that way as well. Um, Our e-commerce website, on the other hand, it it is available, but it hasn't taken off as much as we thought it would. Um, I guess, uh, you know, because there isn't that constant chat back with a a person, um, that might be something that slowed that, you know, digital channel down. Um, but with the other clicks channels, you know, there's somebody sort of responding to you, <laughs> um, with every little question, you know, what blue is it? Can it be this? Can it have a, you know, a train going around it or something like that? So, um, yeah, so those are, those are more sort of, uh, welcomed, I guess, by our customers. That, that's really an interesting perspective that your general website hasn't taken off as much as you had thought. But your Instagram and telephone sales are doing really well because your staff gets to engage with the consumer. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, WhatsApp as well. <laughs> and WhatsApp, the staff gets to engage with the consumer. That that is that is really thought provoking because that's the essence of physical retail is you're engaging with people and while you're shopping for whatever it is you're shopping. And if you can mimic some of that on an Instagram, it'll probably do well. But on a website, it's a little bit stale as it relates to the back and forth communication. Have you thought about having like a an automated chat bot like you see, like they can ask questions to and what and that type of thing? Um, we, we have done um, in the past. I think we actually um, had that 
um, put on there, but it was a bit slow in terms of responses. So when people would come up before, you know, the same agent who's been on the phone gets to see it. So it's not like there's someone dedicated just sitting sitting there and staring at the chat, the chat box. Um, so if the response comes, you know, like a minute too late, it's, you know, it's time gone already. Um, and I think people are more sort of instant shoppers nowadays than, um, than you know, waiting on somebody to, to finally answer you. So we thought, you know, okay, let's take that out. If we can't do it perfectly, let's take that out. I understand. Let's go to a different topic. I, I do not know a lot about how the pandemic has affected Nigeria and uh, Lagos. What's going on in, to your business from the pandemic and how has the pandemic affected things in Nigeria? So, I mean, I think it's pretty much affected our business just like it has the rest of the world. Um, we also went through a lockdown um, last year, March, April. And during that time, um, my stores, we were allowed to open because we are an essential, we're considered an essential business because we serve food um, and we make bread and things like that. Um, so we kept um, three of our stores open. Um, we closed um, we closed four of our store, five of our stores, including Mrs. Majex. And um, we did mostly deliveries. So we partnered with a lot of independent delivery um, sort of people, so like a man in a van. And, um, you know, we trained them up on, you know, how to deliver cakes, how to carry it, how to, you know, <laughs> transport it. And um, so that's what really helped us. I mean, at that time, we went from about 30% of our, our, you know, from of deliveries to about 85% because a lot of people just were not coming out. Um, so, I mean, moving from 30% to 85% was something that we really had to get a handle on. Um, also, our, our, um, our staff, we decided to house all our staff. <laughs> um, well, a large percentage of our staff we housed in our headquarters, um, and that sort of helped so that they were not being exposed to the pandemic, uh, you know, to the to the virus, and also transportation was very difficult at that time as well. And um, but most of the all of the administrative staff were working from home, so we converted all our offices to dormitories, and we bought mattresses, and we fed you know everybody you know seven days a week, <laughs> breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and we even had Sundays. So ordinarily we opened on Sundays, but we decided to shut on Sundays so that we could have sort of entertainment in-house for the staff. We got some table tennis, some, you know, table, we got some card games just to keep things interesting. <laughs> um, so it's, it was, you have to be, we had to be nimble. We had to think on our feet and figure out how we were going to survive. Um, one option I did not consider was closing shop. I love it. I am glad that didn't register in your brain. A little bit of unbelievable story there. You turned, what did you turn into housing? Your like corporate office? Yes. Yes. So all our offices, um, our boardroom, our training, because we couldn't do any training school. We couldn't open our cafes. Actually, I, I, meant, I forgot to mention that we, we, had a, we have a couple of cafes. Um, so we couldn't open that because of social distancing rules. Um, so we turned our cafe, our boardroom, our project room, 
um, and a couple of other offices. They just became dormitories. And you and you turn them into do- dormitories because did did your staff not have a place to go, or was this a safety issue? It was it was a safety issue. Um, firstly, it was difficult to move around during that time. Um, if they were going to get to work, they'd have to take public transportation, and just to try and limit the exposure of the oh. staff to the virus. Um, and also there were very, you know, few um, buses around as well, not, not, not that many. So it would be difficult for them to get to work in terms of timing. Um, and then also um, just to try and keep the operations of the business going. So we don't have, you know, an issue with staff coming from different locations <laughs> um, and then, you know, maybe, you know, passing the virus to each other. We just try to contain it. Um, as much as possible. Um, so that was, those were the ideas behind housing and the staff were happy to be housed. And if anybody was, you know, going home for the weekend, we would have um, the company vehicle take them home. <laughs> um, and then, you know, so we had a lot of take home pickups, you know, it was, it was manic, just trying to just organize all of that. But, um, oh my God, for a seven store chain, how large is your corporate office? Um, well, it's, it's pretty decent. I mean, in, in number of people, how much staff do you have? How many people do you have? We have, um, in total, we have 130. Wow. And in the U S what a lot of companies did was they did this work from home. Was that something that was potentially an option for you or, or not? Yes. So for the administrative staff, we all work from home. I work from home, you know, marketing work from home, you know, finance work from home. But for the people who had to make the cakes. <laughs> but for operations and, uh, you know, front sales attendance, they, they had to come in. Um, and then we also sort of rotated and came in once in a while just to, you know, check up on things and, um, you know, consolidate what we'd been doing from home. Um, all our meetings were online on Zoom. We still have all our meetings online on Zoom. Um, so there was a lot of sort of switch <laughs> that we had to we had to do. This is incredible. I, I haven't had one person I've talked to turn their offices into housing in order to keep their team working and safe. Kudos to you. That is really inspiring. Thank you for sharing that. Overall, you were an essential business in Nigeria. You, you, you would have been in the U.S. as well. Your revenue in 2020, up or down from 2019? Interestingly enough, up. <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. it went up. It was unbelievable to us as well because when in the in the height of the the pandemic, um, the lockdown, we were worried. Um, you know, sales literally crashed for the first few weeks, um, you know, two weeks, three weeks, we were probably doing about 20% sales, um, but we kept going. And in this time, we found our feet, you know, we found the independent delivery drivers, we started marketing a lot more online, um, you know, Google ads was our friend. <laughs> um, and, you know, Instagram promotions, Facebook promotions, we literally just took all our marketing online, because everybody else was at home online, and they were all on their phones. So 
that's where we had to be, where the customers fished, so to, so to speak. So, um, yeah, so that was bad at the beginning. And then it just started going, just started going up again. And so that was positive and inspiring. And, you know, I think that also shows never give up and um, keep going for as long as you can. Totally agree. It is inspiring. And I love the never give up attitude. What is going on with small business in Nigeria right now? For those who weren't essential businesses, are they, is there a lot of business failures? What's happening? Um, yes. Yeah, so there was, I mean, there are industries that were pretty much just brought down to zero, like the hospitality in terms of events, the events industry where, you know, you couldn't meet, you couldn't throw parties and Nigerians, we like to party. Then <laughs> calls, you know, caterers for big functions, you know, um, muse, the music industry, um, you know, stage, lights, production, all those things, you know, they really, really suffered and they're still suffering till today because, you know, there's still some strict um, uh, restrictions in terms of number of people that can show up at events and things like that. So that really, that industry really suffered. Um, others who basically, you know, if you can buy and sell, you can go online. And a lot more people went online. Um, Instagram became, <laughs> you know, the, the place to be. And um, what we saw is a lot of the delivery companies um, did very well. So bike um, bikes companies and, um, you know, Uber um, and and the like. So they, they did very well because they just moved products around and they're allowed to still move around freely. So um, I think also a lot more um, small businesses found themselves having to go online um, to be able to survive and just have some online presence. Um, and also, you know, doing transfers in terms of payments. So payments also did really, really well um, here in Nigeria. That makes sense. I think that's a lot of the rest of the world. Was there government aid as far as trying to help financially some of these businesses? Was there anything passed to help some of these businesses? Yes, there were some interventions um, that were announced. I'm not sure how widely it was spread. Um, it's not as organized as it, as it is with, you know, paying the company and the company keeping their staff on. Um, it was just, you know, make a request and, you know, you, you might be answered and, you know, you might get some, some um, relief or a loan, but there wasn't sort of a grant that was given. It was mainly just loans, which have to be repaid at some point when the businesses do shoot back up. I understand. We are going to take a quick break here. And now a word from one of our sponsors. With over 80 years of architectural practice, NWS Architects and its sister MBE firm, Chahada & Associates, are committed to the visions, budgets, and schedules of their clients. Incorporating the best in architectural sustainability, licensed in 48 states with a 98 percentage rate, it's easy to see why clients such as DLC Management, Brookfield Properties, Dollar General, and many major junior anchor and anchors trust NWS Architects with their projects, large or small. Call Sanjeev at 312-735-7123 or visit nwsaarchitects.com to learn how they can provide value for your next project. 
I want to change to a different topic here. I want to talk about one of your locations and a story about how it actually opened up. And you can tell us what location it is and 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 take us through that because I think overall your story as a person and a business and operating in Lagos, Nigeria, retail locations, I think that's going to be interesting to the listeners in general and what you've done. But tell me uh, a story about how one of your locations opened up. Yeah, so um, so our main location, um, which is our uh, headquarters, where the offices, the administrative offices are, um, we actually moved here just over 10 years ago. And, um, you know, it wasn't my first or second store. My first or second store were in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and um, pretty much no, there was no walking traffic, you know, if you you it was awesome but it was pretty much places where I just honed in on, on my recipes and just you know got better basically and then when we moved um to this location it's it's in Lekki phase one it's a residential it's highly residential but now it's such a huge mix of commercial and residential um it's such a huge property and we didn't have like I said earlier we didn't have all the funds we needed when we were you know um setting up so we made do. We got a massive property. Um, it used to be a, a home, actually, about a nine-bedroom um, home, <laughs> um, you know, with a couple of living rooms and, you know, kitchens and, you know, proper um, quarters at the back. And um, we only used two rooms out of everything because we just didn't have the funds to use anything else. Um, I wanted to open a cafe. I wanted to do a training school. I wanted to go into pastries and bread, but I could only do my cakes um, at the beginning. And there were only four of us when we moved into this, into this building. So we, we couldn't occupy the whole space. But um, with time, it grew. We opened up uh, other rooms and um, added other, you know, sort of um, product lines as well. Um, but, you know, and then the area as well grew from, like we used to be the only bakery on the street and now there's seven bakeries on the same street. Um, so that, that shows how it went from mainly residential to, to commercial. Unbelievable story. So let, let's go from the beginning. Did you buy or rent this property? I'm renting, so You're renting. I'm leasing. And how long are the leases in Nigeria? How long of a lease do you sign in, when you take one of these properties? How long of a lease do you sign? So I, I signed a five-year lease initially with an option for an additional five years. Um, unfortunately, um, my landlord passed away. Oh um sort of at year, I think it was in year four, he, he passed away. Um, but, you know, he has a solicitor for his estate. So I deal directly with the solicitor for the estate now. And um, we've literally just signed another 10-year lease um, just at the end of last year. Congratulations. So how many people work in that location? Um, so the production, uh, we have two production hubs. We have one here and also one um, on the mainland of Lagos um, to serve the stores on the mainland. In this location, um, we probably have about 70, 80 odd people in this location. Wow, that is big. Do you know how big it is 
the, the, the actual size of the, the space? I think the, the land is probably about, I think it's about 2,000 square meters or thereabouts. 2,000 square meters. Yeah. And then we have, you know, we have two floors. Did you have to do renovations inside and did you have to pay for that? did we had to do a lot of renovation i mean it was somebody's home <laughs> so we had to open up sort of the front house and make that bigger where you know where um you know the retail customers come in and then for the production we had to build so we built um an extension to the property because there was a lot of space um within the property that was sort of garden space at the back and we built our production center out back as well yeah and then we had to convert offices and you know put in some glass make it look a little bit more <laughs> corporate looking um yeah so you have a big investment into the the property for sure yes we we have hence the long lease <laughs> when you were deciding where you wanted to put this location and it was going to be your main location how did you decide here it was quite simple really it was close to home um there you go close to home close to home i I live you know four minutes away (laughs) so um i wanted somewhere i could get to easily my first location probably took me about an hour and a half drive and you know there because we didn't have much walk-in customers i had to do a lot of deliveries so I would go in and I'd had to time it because of the traffic. Traffic in Lagos is hectic. You know, it's over to 20 million people in Lagos. So you time it, you'd get to work, quickly do everything you need to do, and then head out to make your deliveries. <laughs> and then, you know, that could take you another sort of an hour and a half hour, two hours to get to where you're delivering to. And then you have to see, can I get back to work, to, to, the, to the shop or not? <laughs> because you can't always get back based on timing. So I just really wanted somewhere convenient um, that was close to home. I could, you know, get there easily. Um, I had just had my first child as well. So it was, it was, I had to be close, closer to home. So it was pretty much personal reasons. And then it worked out in the end. That's a great reason. That's the best reason you want to you want to make your work life balance work for you. How do you choose the other locations that don't have production that are just cafes where you can walk in? How are you thinking about that? So, um, you know, we have seven nuts about cake stores now, but we've had a few in the past that we've also had to close down for various reasons. So um, I think the, the second two or the third two actually I had after this main location which shut down and I think that was based on just lots of wrong decisions um the the first one was in an area which is a highbrow area it's called Ikoi which is um you know it's the most expensive real estate in in think even in West Africa um you know I had a beautiful little cafe store there um but then there were some issues with the with the title of the property and whether it could be commercial. And then the government ended up sort of demolishing all the stores that were there. So that was a huge loss for us um, a few years ago. Then we also had another uh, property in a mall um, and the, the property was in a very beautiful mall, but it was tied to the dollar. So the, the rent was tied to the dollar. And when we had the fluctuation of the dollar um, with the Naira, it just did not make sense to have um, those 
those uh, to have that store. So I'll give you an example. When I signed um, to open up a store there, you know, the dollar to so the naira then was was about two hundred and sixty naira. But the very day we opened the store, the dollar was now three hundred and sixty naira. So that was such a huge difference, and we hadn't accommodated for that. So now I only get stores um, in locations where it is basically naira based, which is our currency here in Nigeria. Um, the third location was in a mall as well, but it was such a tiny little store. It wasn't sort of street facing. So that was was tricky. So these days, I only focus on things that bring high traffic in terms of footfall. Um, I focus on, you know, Naira based. <laughs> um, I make sure it's downstairs because a lot of people don't want to climb the stairs for cakes, <laughs> funny enough. Um, so I always make sure it's it's on the ground floor. Um, and and yeah, so that those are the pretty much and then parking is essential as well. Do all your locations have parking? Yes, they do. Really fascinating as it relates to the the currency and you paying rent in the dollar versus the naira and that being a challenge. Were the mall owners were they US based companies? Were they UK based? Who where where were the do you know who owned those malls? Yes, it was. It's a South African. South African. Yeah, South African. Yes. From your experience in being a retail operator, what is working in Nigeria from a retail operation? Are malls doing well? Are street locations doing better? What's working in Nigeria? Yeah, I think smaller malls are doing well. Um, You know, the large malls, they are beautiful. Um, you know, everything is, you know, is glamorous and, you know, there's entertainment, but the rent is so high because their rents are usually pegged to the dollar. That's only a certain number of stores or type of, you know, high, you know, luxury brands can be there. And, you know, your everyday man is not looking for high luxury. Um, so, that, you know, is, is tricky. But the smaller malls sort of with, you know, six to 10 stores, um, those ones are doing better, um, I think. Um, and are those, are those enclosed, like you go inside or are those open air, like there's just a bunch of different storefronts with a parking lot? Um, they're usually enclosed. Okay. So they usually, you know, homes that have been large homes that have been renovated and turned into um, a small little plaza or a small mall. For instance, I could have done the same with this property that we're on, but we chose to keep it for ourselves. That's interesting. I haven't been in a a home that was converted into 10 stores. That is really unique. Someone in the U.S. has to do that. Well, that is really Great story. Uh, I I learned a lot. I haven't thought about the currency uh, being pegged to the dollar and how that might affect your rent. Anything else about choosing locations in Lagos that makes the retail environment interesting over there that we haven't talked about? Um, I think also, you know, you have to decide what kind of customers that you have and, you know, be in the location that is closest to that type of customer. So for example, spot on. we have the island and we have the mainland. 
Um, we have, you know, stores on both both angles. Um, you know, we are looking for high traffic areas where you could literally just walk off the streets and, oh, I forgot a cake for my grandmom. Please, you know, I want that one and just write happy birthday grandma on it. So you want that sort of, um, you know, your top of mind or people are driving down the street, they see you, they stop. So that's, that's very, very important. And then also the size of the stores that you get, depending on, you know, we have different sizes. Um, so this main one is quite large. Um, when you walk in this, you know, huge display, lots of different, um, you know, standing stations, different tills. Um, but then we have other stores which are just, you know, quite small, a little bit of a finishing area at the back and then a storefront um, in front. So where we are is actually in Lecky Phase 1, the HQ is a highbrow residential slash commercial area. And, you know, we found out that a lot of our customers want to sit down and, you know, take their time and order a cake. So we needed the area where, you know, it's like a cake consultation area, which is, you know, a nice little enclave that we have here and you can sit and, you know, all of that, as opposed to other areas where it's more about, you know, it's quick, you know, give me that one and I'm off. <laughs> so you don't need such a large space there as well. But um, I think the sweet spot for us moving forward now is about 40 square meter odd stores where we just do finishing um, of the cakes at the back and then, um, you know, the retail storefronts um, in the front of the store. Thank you. The cake consultation. I love that. I haven't heard that term in the US, but that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, sitting down and going over the cake that you want. Uh, I haven't heard it named cake consultation. I'm sure in the wedding cake world in the US, they probably call it that, but I don't know. But uh, I, I, I like that you do cake consultations and you do training you for people who want to learn how to make their own cakes. That is all good ancillary parts of your business that help your business. So kudos to you. You are forward thinking. The last part of our show uh, we call retail wisdom. I've got three questions for you, Nikkei. Are you ready? One, what extinct retailer do you wish would come back from the dead? Uh, so um, I don't know much about the US, but I did live in the UK. And um, Debenhams, I'm quite upset that Debenhams has, you know, has just gone, gone under. And it's a department store where... Sure, they just got sold. Someone bought them. When an online retailer bought them, yeah. Ah, yes. So, you know, I bought everything there growing up. So um, that one is quite dear to my heart. <laughs> yeah, I know it. Number two, and I'm going to use U.S. dollars because I don't know the conversion of the Naira. What is the last thing you bought in a store over 20 U.S. dollars? Clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Fashion. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and was the brand a Nigerian brand? Yes, it was a Nigerian brand. Yeah. What what's the what's the name? Uh Aries Couture. I buy a lot from Aries Couture. They use like local fabrics and um local tie and dye and batik and things like that. Fantastic. Last question. If you and I were shopping in Walmart and I lost you, Nikkei, what aisle would I find you in? Kitchen utensils. <laughs> Kitchen utensils, of course. There we go. Yes, you, you can never have enough hands and trays and spoons and <laughs> you can never have enough. There's always some fancy little 
device as well. So yes, I'll be in there. That's our show. Thank you so much for coming on. This was fantastic. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for everything. This was great. Great. Thank you very much, Chris. It was real. It was good. Thank you for listening to Retail Retold. If you want to share a story about a retail real estate deal that you were a part of on our show, please reach out to us at retailretold at dlcmgmt.com. This show highlights the stories behind the deals from all perspectives. So it doesn't matter if you are a retailer, broker, entrepreneur, architect, or an attorney. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Retail Retold so you don't miss out on next Thursday's episode.